Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. It's a really fun time to be following the Memphis Grizzlies with how well they are playing. And it's always a bit more fun when I get to welcome some of my favorite people who cover the Grizzlies, who talk about the Grizzlies, who who just in general make my fandom better because they're Grizzlies fans as well. And there are a few people who make that better than Joe Molinax from Grizzly Bear Blue, site manager of GBB. He's been kind enough to join us. Joe, how have you been, sir? I've been okay. It's a bold strategy to welcome me on to onto your program, Sean. I'm a bit of a pariah, it seems, since my return from football <laughs> season. I, I've been obliterated left and right. I don't think I've ever been subtweeted and and actually just blatantly mentioned without being tagged so much. I felt like Skip Bayless at times. Like, this must be what it's like to be universally uh, – not universally, that's strong, but to have so many detractors. The, the haters have grown in, in my sabbatical from, from at, you know, day-to-day operations at the site. Now that I'm back, I feel like I'm, I'm falling into a pattern of, of severe uh, disdain for my takes. So hopefully I don't hurt your ratings on this episode. <laughs> well, we, we just appreciate you taking the time to to come on. We always enjoy talking with you. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC. You obviously can find uh, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Obviously, we will um, talk with Joe, let you know where to find him um, at the end of the show. But, you know, the reason why we wanted to bring Joe on is because the news just keeps getting more and more exciting. I know I've talked a lot about how exciting the Grizzlies play is. But that's second compared to the news that came out today, Joe. And and I think that this is a bit of the reason why there's been, you know, some back and forth difference of opinions because of the fact that we are, it seems like, on the immediate doorstep of the 2020-2021 debut of Jaron Jackson Jr. upgraded again to questionable. It seems like hopefully tomorrow at least this week. But, Joe, I'll ask you the direct question. When Jaron comes back, first off, how excited are you to have him back? And how do you see his role initially playing out over the next few weeks? I'm extremely excited, and I think all Grizzlies fans and people that follow the team should be extremely excited. Jaron Jackson Jr. is somebody who is going to not only make the – obviously with his own talents, his ability to create off the dribble – his ability to shoot the three ball at a high volume and at a consistent level, his ability to defend. uh, He he is the anti-Jonas Valanciunas in terms of what Jaron brings to the table. And I don't mean that as a slight at Jonas. It's more of they they complement each other very well. You know, the strengths of Jaron are not the strengths of Jonas, and the strengths of Valanciunas are not the strengths of of Jackson Jr. So I do believe that there is going to be a nice – a balance as those two play more and more together. And obviously Jaron's going to make jaw better because he's going to have a pick and pop partner. I think you're going to see a lot of improvement from the roster as a whole over time with the return of Jaron. But I do believe, and this front office has done everything to confirm this. I do think that you are going to see a very cautious approach, approach, excuse me, with Jaron Jackson Jr. Like I would be surprised if he started right away, I would be surprised if he played, you know, more than 20 or so minutes out of the gate. They're going to be extremely cautious with him. They're not going to throw him to the wolves. They understand how important Jaron Jackson Jr. is to the future of this team. 
And he, unlike John Morant, is on the precipice of his rookie extension. So the Grizzlies have to figure out, is this guy going to be someone that we're going to throw a pretty big offer sheet at? Is this someone that we're going to try to extend over the summer? They are going to protect their investment or their future investment as much as they can. And, and fans don't like to hear that, Sean. I, I've decided that that is really the main piece where people get upset with me, is they see this Grizzlies team in the eighth seed. They see them as a playoff potential team. They get excited. And that's understandable. It's okay to be excited about those things. I do not think this Grizzlies organization at the front office level is going to sacrifice anything in the long term for a playoff run this season. There is nothing that they've done in their day-to-day operations, the way they've communicated, the way they've run this franchise that suggests anything other than them having that long view. And I think that the way that they have been hesitant, not hesitant, patient with Jaron, patient with Justice Winslow, patient with DeAnthony Melton, all these different injuries, all of these different ways that they manage these guys, they are going to continue to be that, whether you like it or not. So in theory, Jaron makes the team better. Jaron Jackson Jr. definitely is a, a fun player to watch. He is my personal favorite in terms of fun guys to watch because of how unique he is because of his size and what he's capable of doing. But at the same time, you should not expect the Jaron that dominated at times in the bubble before his knee injury, he's not going to be there right away, at least not in terms of playing extended minutes, having a massive role right out of the gate. They're going to ease him in, not because it's good for their current playoff push, but because it's good for what this team hopes for Jaron to be, you know, the next year, two years, three years, and even more down the road. And I agree completely. And, I, and a couple of things, you know, I mentioned uh, over, you know, obviously I'm at on the GBB network, had the pleasure of being on the three and D podcast with uh, Ben Hogan yesterday. A couple of things that I'm thankful for, you know, when it comes to um, Jaron is that I think that April is the best proof that the right decision was made of taking their time with him. You've seen all these injuries. You've seen the impact that this season has had. A season where stuff outside of teams' control is having a bigger impact on their fortunes than it normally does. And 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 that makes you kind of thankful that the Grizzlies have made sure without a shadow of a doubt that when they brought Justice back in the ring and Jaron back, it's helped out. And I do agree with you also. It's been the right decision to take the time to bring him back. And I do agree with you. I don't know if we really see bubble Jaron this year. I think that may be next year, and you're fine with that. Certainly. But the thing is, is that whatever role he's going to play, the preference is going to be to get Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court. That means that you've got a rotation of arguably 12 players who you could play in different rotations. But it's unlikely the Grizzlies are going to go that deep. Ten's likely, maybe 11 at times. Injuries and rest will give players minutes. But, you know, I know this could be talked about for hours, Joe, but in terms of what you see when you look at this roster who do you feel probably are the maybe two or three guys who are most likely to kind of see their roles reduced once Jaron comes back and the rest of the players who have been injured come back and are healthy? I think the easiest answer, Sean, is, is the two rookies, uh, Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain. And the reason I say that is because those are two guys that have played well. And I don't mean to disrespect the rookie seasons they've had, especially Desmond Bain who anybody who has listened to this show, who follows our work over at Grizzly Bear Blues, follows me on Twitter, you know how much I love Desmond Bain. 
But I definitely think that coaches have a bias towards veteran players. And we've seen that throughout the history of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Taylor Jenkins is not Dave Yeager or Lionel Hollins or J.B. Bickerstaff. I think that's important to point out. But at the same time, Taylor Jenkins is different from the front office in that he doesn't necessarily have to have as much of a forward-thinking mentality as, say, a Zach Kleiman does. They talk about being in lockstep. I don't think Jenkins would go and do something that the front office would outwardly say is not part of their long-term vision. Otherwise, Jenkins would not be the head coach here. But I do think that you could easily argue or at least come up with reasons, viable ones, that Tillman and Bain would be the two most likely guys to, to come out of the pocket there. You know, you have DeAnthony Melton shooting threes especially well. Melton's a better defender at this stage than Bain. Obviously, Jaron coming in takes Tillman out. You've still got Brandon Clark. Eventually, you'll have Jonas Valanciunas back. Uh, Kyle Anderson can play some of those minutes at the four. I think Kyle Anderson is a dark horse contender for losing some of those minutes. I don't necessarily see that happening now, given the season that he's had. But we have to remember that once upon a time, Kyle Anderson was benched in favor of Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. So there is precedent for Kyle Anderson being the odd man out of this rotation. I do not see them benching Grayson Allen because he plays the way that Taylor Jenkins wants him to play, and he's really good at it, in fairness to Grayson. I do not see them benching DeAnthony Melton because of the investment they've made in him, the way he's played lately. He has been a very good player in transition, a very good defender, and he's hitting the three at a very good rate. You wrote about that recently for us over at GBB, Sean. It was very good. Um, you know, DeAnthony is doing a lot of good things offensively. I don't see him or Allen being the odd man out on the wing. I, I just see it being Bain. I, I'm interested in the way that Tyus Jones did not play in the second half against Denver on Monday night. That was, I don't want to say fascinating, because in hindsight, it's not really that surprising. If you're going to play Justice Winslow, no matter what, and you followed Justice Winslow's career, his arguably best run of success when he was with the Miami Heat was as a point guard. So if you think Justice Winslow can run the backup point, obviously he's an upgrade defensively over Tyus at that position. It's not like Tyus is shooting that much better than Justice is currently. And a lineup of Justice and DeAnthony and Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark and in theory, Jaron Jackson Jr., that's a pretty tough group defensively to have to contend with. So I do believe that there is a possibility that it's Tyus Jones, and I wouldn't have necessarily thought that before, but you've noticed that his minutes have dwindled a little bit. Obviously, John Morant is the superstar. He's the guy that you want on the floor 34 to 36 minutes a game anyway. So if it's Justice, if it's Kyle eating those backup point guard minutes, even DeAnthony Melton, I don't think DeAnthony Melton is good in that role, but he's also 22 years old, and we also didn't think that he was a good three-point shooter, and he's obviously grown his game in that way. So at this point, he's earned enough credit with me to get another crack at being a backup point guard. They have options that, and again, the depth of this team is impressive, that might be better than a really good backup point guard in, in Tyus Jones, at least for the way the team is currently constructed. And it's possible Tyus is the odd man out. So to me, the easiest answers are Bain and Tillman because they're rookies. But I could see a scenario where somebody like a Tyus Jones 
falls to the wayside if he's not able to get his shooting numbers up, especially. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think X certainly, as well as he's played, you've also got precedence with him, you know, falling a bit out of the rotation when the Grizzlies were at their healthiest this year. I could see Tyus. You know, I understand the necessity. I understand we, you know, we lived through the horrors of the bubble without his guidance, but I think production trumps guidance. I, I just, the idea of sitting Bain, and I know we're not talking about like he's not going to play. But it just his shooting stroke has been has been clutch for us, especially with Melton out. I see your point. It's just that it's it's hard to accept it potentially being a reality. But at some point, it'll it'll work itself out. It's a good problem to have instead of being something that you know should not be looked forward to seeing how it develops. I, I certainly agree. But when it comes to Desmond Bain, he's been a reason why the Grizzlies have played so much better in April. When it comes to their offense, coming up, I'm going to talk with Joe, get his impressions on the April offense. And what does he think about the sustainability of how well we've been playing here recently? Title sponsor of this episode is Michelob Ultra. And I think that I can speak for Joe and myself both when I say that one thing that we like to do every now and then is when we're sitting down to watch the Grizzlies play a basketball, we like to enjoy it with a nice glass of, of Michelob Ultra. And the thing is, is that you can do the same. And the reason why is because Michelob Ultra is meant to make your experience as a fan even more enjoyable than watching the Grizzlies themselves. We also do our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week award, and I'm going to take a bit of a different direction this week. Though he hasn't been, you know, one of the better players, or, you know, he hasn't been consistently among the two or three best reasons why our offense is playing so well this month, it's Xavier Tillman. Xavier Tillman, over the past three games, has scored 14, 15, and 18 points, setting a career high in 41 minutes against the obvious MVP candidate in the NBA this year. And though Xavier Tillman overall may see his role a bit reduced, I think he's going to be okay with it because he's getting to play basketball on a regular basis with his best friend who's returning in Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's a big reason why I think that Xavier Tillman, as long as any of the Grizzlies, say that they play with happiness, enjoyment, and joy when it comes to the ability to play with each other. And it's a big reason why so many of these Grizzlies players are able to step up when their number is called. Well, the thing about it is, is that Michael Ultra also always steps up to make your experience, experience as a fan even more enjoyable. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calorie. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Do you win? Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? I can tell you this. With Jaron Jackson Jr. on his way back, I honestly think that Xavier Tillman, like all the other Grizzlies, can say they win because they're happy. You can enjoy the same thing the next time you get to enjoy a game with a nice glass of Michelob Ultra. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Just subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May the 1st. So, Joe, obviously the Grizzlies, you know, in March, they struggled their way through March, played some very close games against some very good competition, especially the three out of four game stretch against the Jazz late in March. And then when the calendar switched, it's like <laughs> it was night and day. This Grizzlies team right now leads the league in offensive rating in the month of April. Now, are they the best offensive team in the league? No, that's that's nowhere near true. But the addition of the three-point shot, a consistent three-point shot, has really opened up this Grizzlies team to be able to play some 
teams. They beat some impressive teams and easily could be nine and two one this um a month if they hadn't if they had made free throws and not played a couple of European MVP candidates. Your thoughts on just how impressive and how fun it's been to watch this Grizzlies team play basketball here recently. It's definitely different than what we're used to, right? Or at least what I'm used to uh, being a, a person who came to the Grizzlies back in 2011 when grit and grind was at its uh, at its beginnings, at its you know it's growing to its apex a couple of years later. Um, it's fascinating to watch it play out, right? You know, you've had folks over at GBB write about having you know all the shooting that they have now, especially at the shooting guard position. You have John Morant, who's so explosive and such a remarkable athlete. The, the Memphis Grizzlies have never had an athlete. I know they've had Stromile Swift, and they've had other guys that have been athletic. But John Morant is an entirely different level in terms of what he's capable of, in terms of his speed and explosiveness. They are definitely playing a very fun brand of basketball. And it's become kind of a bit over on the GBB Slack channel and on the blog a little bit where I, I give you and Nate Chester and Justin Lewis a hard time because you guys are very much, you are all in with this iteration of the Grizzlies. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't think they're going to succeed because I do think they're going to succeed. I am very much a long-term view with this team. I see them, you know, by 2024, 2025, being in the conversation for the NBA Finals. I think that is very realistic. If they're not in that spot, then they've squandered some resources and opportunities along the way. I think that is fair to say at this point over the next three to four years, that's, that's a realistic goal. But I think that we jump ahead of ourselves trying to make them something that they're not in the here and now. And that's, you know, society is kind of designed that way at this point, Sean, we are very much an instant gratification society where we want success now, or we want results now, or, we want to be able to get this information, this food delivery from DoorDash, this item, this service immediately. And I think that when you apply that to a young team like the Memphis Grizzlies, you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, I know I just compared you to Nate and Justin, and you're probably cursing me under your breath over there for doing such a thing, because uh, you, in your piece that ran uh, on Tuesday, you specifically mentioned exactly what my concerns are and you you outline them well the the likelihood of regressing to the mean the fact that this team is still mediocre in terms of record despite all of these glowing numbers that you throw out there and the fact that they're playing so well and converting at such a high rate they're still a mediocre basketball team and I say that and people are going to hear that and think that I'm a Debbie Downer that I'm hating on John Morant and and that's not what it is at all Sean, they're not supposed to be mediocre. I still have the ability to keep the perspective that this is a rebuild. This is not a team that's supposed to be in the situation they are. Outside of maybe the New York Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets, and I think the, the signing of Gordon Hayward maybe eliminates the Hornets from contention. But the, the Grizzlies continue to be one of those teams that is just shocking in terms of how successful they've been. I guess maybe the Phoenix Suns can be thrown in that category too this year. But the, the Grizzlies were supposed to go backwards. The Grizzlies were supposed to be worse because they didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr., because they weren't going to start the season with Justice Winslow, and they haven't had the, the Justice Winslow they thought they'd have at any point. And they still may get him, 
but he hasn't shown up yet. So you're, you're dealing with a team that has had a lot of adversity thrown their way, and yet they are still a three or two wins above 500 team. Again, mediocre, but they were supposed to be a lot worse than that, and they're the youngest team in the NBA, and they are achieving at a level that not many people thought they were capable of this season. So when I say they're mediocre, it's meant as a compliment because they sure as hell weren't supposed to be here. I, saying all that, believe that these numbers that they are doing that are historic in the context and framework that you've outlined over at GBB, uh, and, and you've given good context for them, I do not see them as sustainable. I think that the style of play is sustainable. I think that their unselfish way of passing and moving the basketball, I think that their focus on the three-point shot, all of that is sustainable. But I do not believe that their success doing it is sustainable. And I am okay with that because, again, the fact they have been this successful at all is impressive. It's a testament to the players and the coaches and the way that they've worked this season and the way they've developed it and found chemistry together. But we have to keep the perspective that this is a team that is still rebuilding. This is a team that's the youngest team in the NBA. John Morant's had a bad turnover in a clutch situation against the Denver Nuggets. He made up for it, but it still hurt them in that moment. The Anthony Melton had a monster game against the Denver Nuggets. He made a huge boneheaded pass that you could argue was one of the key plays in the game that led to Memphis losing. Does that mean that you throw DeAnthony Melton to the side, that, that Melton is bad? Of course not. Melton was one of the reasons they were in the game in the first place. But you just have to keep the perspective that they're young and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to go through cold stretches and they're going to have times where they frustrate you. You can't make it lead to a hot take that Taylor Jenkins is a bad basketball coach or that this team doesn't have a, a finisher. They do have a finisher. He's just 21 years old, and we have to maintain that patience. So to your credit, I think you do that well, Sean, whenever you talk about how successful the team has been, and they have been that successful. I just always keep my eyes to the reality that the roster is very young, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to have walls that they're going to hit. They're going to have adversity that they have to try to overcome. And part of becoming that great team in two or three years down the road is learning lessons and getting valuable experience from those tough times like they had against the Nuggets there in that second overtime in particular. So I, I, think it's, I think their style of play is sustainable. I think that as they improve, the way that they execute will allow for them to convert on an efficient manner or in an efficient manner more often. I do not think their current pace is going to be maintained. And I don't think that makes me a hater. I think that makes me realistic. I think it makes you intelligent because I agree with your perspective 100%. First off, thank you for your kind words. Second off, I actually take it as a compliment to be compared to Nathan and Justin. Just don't ever, I never said that, Joe. This, that, that conversation never happened, though. I'm kidding. But the thing, that I will, <laughs> the thing that I will say is, though, is that I agree with you to the point that we are not a top 10 offense in the NBA. This 122 points per game, 15 threes per game pace. Never, I, I don't feel anybody um, really has logic to suggest that that's going to stay the pace. The thing that gets me excited, and leading to my next question, is that the way that we are doing it 
is a way in which we have built on one of the most critical areas of development that we need to, and that's especially shooting the three. Because in March, we were a bottom five team in both three-pointers per game and three-point field goal percentage. Now we're a top five three-team shooting. I don't think we're going to stay that way. But if the changes that have been made in April can lead to us at least being league average on a consistent basis shooting the three, and we have the confidence in attempting 35 or more threes a game, that's a huge step forward. And that's what I'm thinking is sustainable. Because a Grizzlies team that is league average shooting the three and making 12-teen or more threes a night versus a Grizzlies team that is struggling to make 10, there's a big difference between that. And I think that that the former of us being able to regularly make in the teens when it comes to threes is a big step forward. And one of the things I've noticed is Taylor Jenkins, the reason why we've done it, he's switched his schemes around to give his best shooters more shot. Significant increase in Bain, Allen, and um, uh, Melton's three-point shooting. Just your thoughts on that. Some of the adjustments Coach Jenkins has made, for instance, featuring his better shooters, and have you seen anything that stood out to you where Jenkins has helped our offense at least take a somewhat successful step forward? There's definitely more a green light, more of a green light for the shooters, right? And I don't know if, if it's the players being more comfortable or the fact that the drive and kick offense, for whatever reason, is just hitting at a higher rate. But from watching the games, it's very clear that confidence is growing. And I think that you see it when it comes to Grayson Allen, who, again, I would start Desmond Bain or DeAnthony Melton over Grayson Allen. But the way that Grayson Allen is playing, it's not like I could crush Taylor Jenkins for starting Grayson Allen. Grayson is shooting the three at a high level. Grayson is defending at a good enough level where he's not a net negative there. I do think Chris Harrington made an interesting point on the radio recently. Sometimes we confuse effort for execution on the defensive end. And Grayson is not as good of a defender as I think some people think he is. But his offense has been so good that it's, it's kind of like Jonas Valanciunas, right? And, and I, I get you know knocked all the time for my takes on Jonas. My take on Jonas is he needs to be elite offensively and on the glass for his defensive shortcomings to be canceled out. And, and in fairness to Jonas, a majority of the time, he is those things, especially as a rebounder. Right now, Grayson Allen is in a similar boat. He is shooting the ball, and he is defending without fouling in such a way. And those are two things that Taylor Jenkins values so immensely. You can just tell from the way that he's coached this team since he's arrived and the personnel that he's utilized, that Grayson is doing what his coach wants him to do, and he's being rewarded with a larger role. So I think you see confidence in Grayson. Desmond Bain has developed remarkably over the course of this season. He has easily uh, shown a ton of growth when it comes to his ability to handle the basketball and create off the dribble, his ability to facilitate for others. Uh, he is looking like one of the steals of the draft. For another year in a row, the Grizzlies have one of the steals of the draft in Desmond Bain. And then DeAnthony Melton, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, you could make an argument that DeAnthony Melton's the best player on the team in terms of the way that he's able to play right now on both ends of the floor. Ja Morant is obviously the superstar, but Ja's defensive shortcomings have been discussed here, there, and everywhere. Melton is probably the best two-way player on this team right now. You can make an argument in terms of the way he's shooting the ball and the way he impacts the game defensively. So just at that shooting guard position alone, 
uh, you have options there that you haven't had in the past. And that enables you to do a lot more things offensively that you haven't been able to do in the past. It comes with confidence. It comes with the ability to execute. And Jenkins, more than ever before, since he's arrived in the, with the Grizzlies, he has guys that buy into his system, and he has confidence in them being able to execute it at a high level. I agree. And I also want to take this time to say that, you know, once again, to your point, this is a young team that is going to make their mistakes. I think another thing that has emerged from this play in April is that we are at least against similar to better teams in terms of talent. We're at least putting our Pazils in uh, position to win consistently. Mistakes are still going to be made due to the youth of our roster, and they're still going to be made by Taylor Jenkins. But if you in any way, shape, or form have any negative opinion about Taylor Jenkins this year, in my opinion, you need to change the way that you're observing things about the Memphis Grizzlies. Because I think that he has made a not-to-be-debated case once again that he is a top-ten coach when it comes to the Coach of the Year polls. And I think it's been absolutely phenomenal, the job that he's done. Do you want to add anything to that, Joe, before we move on? I agree completely. I think that it's fascinating, and I tweeted this on Tuesday. Uh, You know, I get berated for various takes that I have, and somewhat understandably, given how long I've been doing this and my role over at GBB. Uh, But at the same time, I see people on Twitter, especially, talking about how Taylor James is a bad coach, and I just don't, don't understand how you can reach that conclusion. Again, this roster was built to be a rebuild roster. Like they wanted to be competitive and they want, they didn't want it to be like a, a Houston Rockets situation, like a total teardown that was never in the mind of Zach Kleiman, but they all, it's not like they have a ton of traditional talent beyond John ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. You've got afterthoughts. You've got guys that were not coveted throughout the draft process. You've got guys that have been traded for other guys. It's, it's that grit and grind, you know, second chance in Memphis mentality just in a different way. It's a different uh, method of, of telling a, a, a similar story. And I think that that deserves a hell of a lot of credit. Like this, is, you're starting Grayson Allen. You know, Grayson Allen wasn't somebody that was really perceived to be an NBA rotation player by some. I thought he was a fringe NBA rotation player. I didn't think he'd be out of the NBA, but I didn't think he would be this good. Kyle Anderson has come a long way. He's developed with health being gained and finding his footing in terms of his shot. Anthony Melton has developed pretty well. You know, you have so many different guys up and down the roster that have grown under the tutelage of Jenkins and his staff. To say he's not a top 10 coach at this point, I just think is foolish. Like maybe you put him at number 12 if you sit down and you actually chart it out. But this is the second year in a row he's done a hell of a job. I think he deserves some credit. He's done a great job. And and I've felt since seeing how he developed players, I've honestly felt that not only is he the guy to lead us through this rebuild, I truly do believe that Taylor Jenkins is the coach who can be at the helm to lead this Grizzlies team and to be a sustainable winner and hopefully one day a legitimate title contender as well. But as for this year, we've talked a bit about the future, but as for this year, because there still is playoffs in play, and that's clearly what this roster wants. But to answer the question, who's been the best Grizzly? Heard some different takes over the past few days. Coming up, I'm going to talk with Joe, get his opinion on a pretty fun question when you look at a roster that's had so many different people step up in different ways this season. 
Last month, several different versions of March Madness determined some great winners when it comes to some wonderful tournaments. In the men's NCAA tournament, the Baylor Bears were declared champion. In the in women's NCAA tournament, the Stanford Lady Cardinal were declared champion. And in the Built Bar March Madness tournament, Coconut Brownie Chunk was considered champion? That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk was voted by the masses as being the best tasting pro, uh, taste of the Built Bar Protein Bar Challenge. But think about it as this. That's just one great aspect of Built Bar. There's actually 18 different flavors that you can enjoy. So if Coconut Brownie Chunk may be one that you like, but it may not be your favorite, there's several other to choose from. The other great thing about Bit Bar is that it's the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. It's a healthy addition to your day that tastes great. Having it in the morning as a snack, maybe in the afternoon as a, um, or afternoon as a snack, in the morning as breakfast, before or after a workout. If you add it to your day, it's going to be there in the state. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar in order for you to be able to take advantage of this great partnership between the Locked On Podcast Network and Built Bar. Add Built Bar to your day. It will be there to stay, and I promise you that you're going to make it a great part of your way to getting a healthier lifestyle. Great thing about sports is, is that there's so many different ways that all of us can enjoy being a fan. But a ba- betting and wagering is part, one of the reasons why you enjoy being a fan. I've got the place that has you covered. It's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline covers basketball, hockey, baseball, UFC, soccer, all the great sports that are going on right now. It even covers awards TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Put in the promo code LOCKEDON when you do, and you'll receive 50% on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by the by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldringer. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey, and enjoy the Ultimate Mock Draft. So, Joe, um, I had mentioned that you know through the Locked On Podcast Network, um, through our Locked On NBA show, I had been asked the question, who I felt the best Grizzlies player this year has been. And my answer was Dylan Brooks. I gave my reasoning for it on, on Monday's episode. And, and, and you know, me and you and, and several folks of GBB have talked about it. And I think at the end of the day, the, the best answer is the best Grizzlies so far this year has been different players at different times. And it's also about the perspective that you look at when it comes to the question. Jaws the best talent. DeAnthony has been the most advantageous. Jonas is the most elite compared to the rest of the league when it comes to his skill set. Kyle has his reasoning. Dylan has his reasoning. I think it just goes to how you perceive the question. But I will ask you, Joe Molinax, who's been the best Grizzly so far this year? I think that your logic is really sound, actually. I support pretty much everything you just said uh, in terms of it being a variety of different guys in different ways at different points. The MVP of the first 10, 15, 20 games however long John Morant was out, you know, after that early season ankle injury, is Kyle Anderson. You go back to that run, and if Kyle doesn't play the way that he did during that stretch, they they don't survive. Like, they tank, and not on purpose. Like, they just tank. 
the season tanks, not because they mean to, but because they don't have the ability to sustain. Uh, so I, I think Kyle deserves some credit for that. I, you mentioned DeAnthony Melton. I talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, I do believe that injuries probably take him out of that running overall so far. But he, when he is playing, has, like you said, advantageous. I think that's a great word for him. He has definitely made the most of his opportunities, him and Grayson Allen both. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is a very fair response. And maybe folks that, again, uh, hear me say that will roll their eyes because they think I hate Jonas so much. I don't. I, I see the value of him, but I also believe that it's overvalued to an extent because – and we talked about this on GBB Live last week with Evan Barnes. We were ranking the players that have done the most to help their stock in terms of being part of the next great Grizzly team in these next couple of years. And Parker and I both ranked Jonas Valanciunas at, at the bottom of the list out of the four guys we were talking about because Jonas is supposed to be an elite rebounder. Jonas is supposed to be a, a very good paint scorer. That's what he's been his entire career. So it's not like he's grown his game beyond always been. And I think that that's important to understand when it comes to my critique of Jonas. Jonas is doing exactly what Jonas is supposed to do. That doesn't mean he's not a very good basketball player. He just hasn't shown the ability to grow or the ability to evolve like a Kyle Anderson has, like a DeAnthony Melton has. And I think that that has, and even a Grayson Allen, to be honest with you. So to me, that limits, Jonas in that particular way that doesn't change the fact that he's an elite rebounder that doesn't change the fact that he's a very good scorer he's just very predictable defensively you know what's going to happen and and it comes down to how you value that side of the floor when it comes to him um I I could definitely see Dylan Brooks Dylan Brooks is the guy that you can count on he's you know aside from the most recent game you know he's in there almost every single night playing up or picking up 94 feet against the best offensive option for the opposing team, whether it's Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He has literally covered everybody, Sean, all different body types, all different skill sets. He is not afraid. And so much of this mentality, the swagger that people say they love about the Memphis Grizzlies, ironically, there's a decent chance they're deeply frustrated by the second coming of Tony Allen. That is Dylan Brooks. He is trick-or-treat. There's going to be times where he's explosive offensively. He goes and and he's a microwave type of shooter. He heats up real quick. And then there's going to be times that he's going to cool off. But Dylan is Dylan. He's going to take the shot, whether he's hot or he's cold. And that's just you kind of learn to deal with it like folks did with Tony Allen missed layups. Uh, It's just one of those things you take on. So I believe that the way you described it is very fair. You know, if you have to pick somebody, it's probably a Dylan Brooks or a Jonas Valanciunas. I think those are the two names that make the most sense. You have to pick one. But throughout various points and in different ways, depending on how you define it, there's been a lot of guys that have bared that best player uh, burden throughout the year. And John Morant is obviously the guy that scheme is built around offensively. He's a straw that stirs the drink. It doesn't work as well when he's not in there. So even though he has had his own issues at times this season, it's not like he is any less important than he's ever been. But it also drives home the point of what we were talking about in the previous segment. Taylor Jenkins, you could argue, is the MVP of the season and his coaching staff. The way that all these guys have fit together, mixed, mingled the development of the rookies, the way that that bench is played, 
You know, I, I think that it's a true team effort, and that's one of the reasons they're in a position of success, whereas you have the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, obviously, Zion Williamson is putting up stupid monster numbers. Like, he's having a phenomenal season, but the Pelicans are not the team that the Grizzlies are. And, and I do think that's a, a testament to the roster construction of the front office, the way that they've been coached by Taylor Jenkins. And obviously, these guys have to go out and execute. And, and for the most part, they've done that well enough to to earn the opportunity to be in this play-in conversation. And that's exactly where they wanted to be in when the when the season started. That was the goal. So they're, they're close to achieving one of their goals, but it's going to be a pretty big sprint to the finish, regardless of who the best player is the last 15 or so games. You hope it's going to be John Morant because he's the guy that's the superstar. And it's superstar time as you have that sprint to the finish line and try to get to that play-in tournament. So I'll ask this question then. When it comes to the rest of the season, and I know that you know you mentioned Ja, but he's not available, Joe. When it comes to, from two different perspectives, the Grizzlies' hope of making the playoffs is one, but also just in general, continued development is the other, and the answer can be the same. Besides Ja Morant, who needs to be the Grizzlies' best player going forward for the rest of the year? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um I think in terms of development, it probably needs to be. And people are going to crucify me for this answer. But just the way that you asked it, the first thing that comes to my mind is Justice Winslow. And he's not going to be. I guess I want to stress, I don't expect any miraculous return to form for Justice Winslow. But in terms of the long-term development of the franchise, you want to see Justice Winslow find his shooting stroke find his ability to be a consistent offensive contributor, not just be a solid to very good defender. And I think for the long-term you know, viability of the Grizzlies as a title contender, if Justice Winslow could figure it out over these last 17 or so games, 15 or so, whatever the number is, that would be the most advantageous and, and great way for things to work out. I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't know that that's realistic given – how little justice has played over the last 14 months. I, I believe that in terms of finishing games, it needs to be Dylan Brooks because that's a guy, again, that you can count on. If it can't be Jaw, you don't know what Jaron's going to be. You're not going to throw him to the wolves. Dylan Brooks can do it on both ends of the floor, defensively and offensively. It probably needs to be Dylan. And Dylan needs to continue to find himself in positions where he can dictate not just the tempo of the game and the way the defense plays, but the mentality of the team. This is going to be a tough stretch for them. I think there's less than a month left of actual like days to play games, and they have 16 or 17 games left to play. Like They're going to be playing a lot of basketball in these next several weeks, and they're going to have to rely on each other and lean on each other, and the depth of this Grizzlies team, and they are very deep, is going to be tested. You know, We talked about who's going to be out of the rotation. I, I think you could easily just see them start resting random people on a night in night out basis. And you keep that rotation the same and, and guys are still getting their at bats, so to speak, their minutes uh, in, in games. So I, it probably has to be Dylan. If you want them to maintain a playoff or play in positioning opportunity, Jonas Valanciunas is in that conversation too. I, I think those are the two for sure that you need to continue to have alongside job being successful but for the long-term viability of the franchise, you know, obviously you want to see Jaron come back and be competitive. But Justice has had more opportunity to get his footing. 
you, you want to see a better Justice Winslow this last month of the regular season if you hope to have a team that is a title contender sooner rather than later. And the one thing that I'll add to that is that, you know, it, you certainly would love to see the development of some of the players that, you know, you, you haven't seen what you had hoped to have seen this year, the development from those sources, a Tyus, a Justice, the development with those sources to go with the continued to play of others, that development to help the Grizzlies cause to make the playoffs since, you know, we're obviously um, all in with this team making the playoffs. And more than anything else also, just with how this season has gone for other teams, at the end of the day, if everybody can stay healthy, that would be a great development um, as well. But, uh, but Joe, obviously the stretch run is here. And now with your football season, you know, with obviously I know that, that you're back on the grind as far as Joe the blogger goes. Just um, all that's going on over at GBBU specifically and in general, um, what can you all let us know of anything maybe to look out for as we, you know, get into the stretch run and hopefully a bit of a playoff run as well? Sure. Well, uh, as you know, Sean, sometimes we get a bit of a log jam in, in the feature department over at grizzlybearblues.com. So I'm kind of patiently waiting i don't want to overstep my bounds and and jump the line as we get these features turning out on uh, the next couple of days from guys you know like nate and justin and parker and and other folks that help keep the blog afloat obviously you uh that that helped keep things going while i was away so i uh i'm not going to jump the line so to speak but i'm excited to get back into features i have game coverage coming up these next couple of days and that's that's the lifeblood of what we do and i know you know that sean over at grizzlybearblues.com. During the season, you know, our game previews, our report cards, our, our quick recaps, you know, those are things that people come to and want to get instant analysis and, and next-day analysis of the game. So we prioritize that at this time of the year. I think Friday night I'm, I'm up in terms of doing all the media stuff. So you and I will be virtually hanging out uh, with Portland on Friday night. I think I have Twitter and all those fun things over at SBN Grizzlies. So I'm getting back into it slowly but surely. I'm not as good as I once was, Sean. I'm an old man at this point, so I have to ease back into the pool. I can't dive into the deep end with the kids at this point. But uh, but I, I'm excited to be back at it at Joe Mullinex. You can follow me there. Follow us at SBN Grizzlies. Uh, I have Brevin Knight coming on our podcast, GBB Live, this week. It's going to be great. Parker and I looking forward to talking with Brevin about the 20th anniversary. We're going to talk about some of this rotation stuff with him as well. So. Uh, I, I always appreciate coming on and talking Grizzlies with you, Sean. You know how highly I think of you and the work you do for us at GBB. You've done an awesome job with Locked On as well, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on. And, and I think I, my, my parting word is this. I, I know that I sound negative at times. It's all in terms of the long-term view. I have never, and this is true, I have never been, as more, been more optimistic about the future of this franchise. Like, I very easily see them competing for NBA Finals, Western Conference appearances, uh, Western Conference Finals appearances. I could see that clear as day. I don't want to eliminate that probability. In my opinion, it's a probability at this point because of how well they've set themselves up. I don't want to eliminate that to rush Jaron Jackson Jr. back to be the seventh seed in a playoffs where you're going to get crucified by the Utah Jazz. Like, that's not worth it to me. That, that's how I'm looking at it. So I continue to try to maintain that long view. I don't mean to be negative as much as I want them to maintain and continue to build upon 
the remarkable foundation they've set for that sustainable success that they've stated over and over again as their goal. They are as well set up as any franchise in the NBA to be that for the next decade. They have to maintain discipline and not deviate from that goal. And I think that this front office and coaching staff understands that. I support that. It's hard for fans to get that and support that. You want to maximize every season. But, and, and I do think that those guys are going to continue to compete and do the best that they can. But the, the fact remains, they are playing the long game here. And even in a playoff race, I don't think they are going to sacrifice that long game for the here and now. Agreed completely. And his name is Joe Molinax, uh, one of our favorite guests on this show. He obviously, um, if he is so kind and, and wants, uh, he is always welcome. We will make sure to have him on frequently uh, here during over the next uh, month or so and obviously going into the offseason. And, you know, to echo him, you know, obviously, you know, there the one great thing about how awesome it is to be a Grizzlies fan right now with this rebuild going so successful and having this young, exciting core is that the coverage of it, I think Joe would agree with this. It's never been better before. Over at GBV, you've got all the great talents, writers, personalities that give you, you know, daily takes when it comes to writing. The GBV Podcast Network is a wonderful and ever-evolving, you know, entity itself. Starting five, core four, GBV Live, three and D. Obviously, Locked on Grizzlies as well, as well as many others. That's what's so awesome to be a part of this family that covers the Grizzlies is that you have so much fun and there's and so much kind people to also enjoy it with Joe. I think you would agree with that. I mean, it's an awesome time to be covering the Grizzlies because of the team, but also because of the people that you get to enjoy being a fan with and enjoy covering the team with as well. I'm very proud of what GBB has become. Um, when I took over, it was a very good blog. Thanks to Chris Faulkner and Kevin Light before him. And, and I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to, to take the helm uh, about five years or so ago now. What is it has become is it has become the go-to place for Memphis Grizzlies content. It's become a place where people like you and others can go out and they can get other opportunities from it. And it's, it's become a place that is truly in, in our staff. You know, some of the conversations we have, it's like brothers and sisters arguing. It's like, it's like a family atmosphere uh, over at GBB. So I'm extremely proud of what we built. And it's not just me. It's our entire staff, you know, to, to have our, our blog be what it is at this point. It, it means a lot. And I'm very, very happy with where we are. And you're a, a major piece of that. You know, Sean, anytime you need me, I'm here. Happy to talk Grizzlies with you. And, and I'm excited to see how the rest of this uh, playoff run goes. Absolutely, as we all are. Again, you can find Joe on Twitter. You can find everything that we do over at GBB at SBN Grizzlies. Myself at Stats SAC on Twitter. The show at Locked on Grizz. All of the GBB podcast network plus Locked on Grizzlies, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. That's where we will be. For Joe Molinax, my name is Sean Coleman. We'll have much more this week as we continue this very tough stretch, but with a little bit more excitement with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s debut for the season on the horizon. We'll talk to you again soon. For Joe Molinax, my name is Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.